gentlemen, welcome back to the Big Husband Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan West, bringing you guys another episode here. Telling you all, like I always do, gents, thank you for being a part of the work that we're doing. If you've been with us for any length of time, then you know what we're all about here. We're here to help you as a man live on mission in your marriage. And today is no different than that. Uh, it's going to be a re- conversation, a recording that I got to share with my good friend, a good friend of the show, Doc Hillary Lampers. Um, if you guys have been with us for a long time, then you know Doc Hillary Lampers and her husband, Ryan Lampers, uh, are great friends of the show. They've got a podcast called the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast, which is a great one, uh, one that we always enjoy listening to. When I say we, I mean me and my buddies. But anyway, um, we enjoy listening to it. Um, but this, the, the, the recording came from a conversation um, that Hillary reached out to me. She was like, Jonathan, I just want to talk about something good. So much negative stuff going on in 2020. So much stuff I just, just grosses me out. And I want to talk about something good. And so I said, okay, well, why don't we talk about marriage, right? That's something happy. That's something light. That's something uh, noble to think about. And so we got to sit down and have a really long conversation as we do um, about marriage. And so I am excited to share this with you if you haven't already listened to it um, on the Hunt Harvest Health page or sorry, podcast page. And if you guys uh, aren't familiar with that podcast, go check it out. Give them a listen. Uh, Even if you're not a hunter or a person that's super into healthy eating, it's really interesting to think about just the idea of sourcing our meat that way, the different health topics that they get into. They are some of the smartest people that I know in the space, and they're just really genuine people. I've not met anyone in the podcast space um, that has the following that they have that is as genuine and, and willing to help as they are. I mean, they're just, they're, they're good folks. So go give them a listen, Hunt Harvest Health Podcast. Uh, but before you do, listen to this episode, this conversation I got to have with Doc Hillary Lampers. Welcome back to the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast, everybody. This is Dr. Hillary. I am sitting here on a Saturday in November looking outside. It's about 32 degrees out, maybe beautiful sun shining, lots of snow, horrible wind, which we've had for, I don't know, it feels like weeks now. Um, winter is definitely here in Montana. I'm really excited about our podcast guest today. Jonathan West is my guest today and he is the um philosophizer, if that's even a word. I don't know. He he has created what's called the Being Husband podcast. And a couple of years ago he asked me to be on his podcast uh, uh to talk about testosterone. And he literally sent me a DM through Instagram. We never we didn't know each other. He said he listened to our podcast. He wanted, and obviously I talk way too much about testosterone. So he wanted me to come on and talk about testosterone, which I did. And I got to meet him and his, his, uh, crew at the time. Uh, and we talked about men's health and testosterone, which is super fun. And at that time I found out because if you haven't listened to Jonathan's podcast, you need to go listen to his podcast because, um, (laughs) The first time I ever listened to it, when he contacted me and I was like, sure, I'll do that. And I went and listened to his podcast. I literally thought he was going to be like a 55 year old guy. Um, He is just by listening to his voice. And I do not like to stereotype, but there's no doubt he is like a wise African-American strong man 
I was like, okay, sure. And then we get on the podcast and we do this face to face. And I'm like, you look like you're like 20. <laughs> like you're like, yeah, I'm like 23 or something. And all your, your, uh, you, the guys that were on the podcast with you, they were all young as well. So I was totally shocked because the topics that you're talking about and what your podcast was about was really mature stuff um, for your age, I consider it, for a man your age to be talking about that stuff. So we did that podcast. And then over the last year and a half or two years, we've just become friends. And we were, me and Ryan were on your podcast, on his podcast, your podcast, whoever's listening to here, uh, talking about, I don't know, homesteading and gardening and kind of starting that life and how you do that. So be sure to go check that out. We'll, we'll talk about that more. But um, Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is, uh, is going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. Um, when I said to you, hey, what do you want to talk about? Because we can talk about any of these topics. Um, you were like, let's talk about marriage. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, wait, well, that's something I actually know about. I'm definitely not an expert, but I know about marriage. So Ryan is obviously not here to defend himself. And that is his fault because he's hunting right now. And so when he does that, too bad he can't he can't defend himself why don't you share with our audience who you are um what your background is and why is your podcast called being husband podcast what is that yeah so so i'm jonathan as, as hillary put out uh, here a minute ago um i am 28 now uh so Ooh. i'm a little little older got got, got some wisdom behind me <laughs> But, but I've been doing the podcast thing for about two years. Um, and the reason that I started it really was because, you know, I'm in that age cohort of millennials who are, you know, uh, characterized as being folks that don't know where they're going. They're, they're entitled. They, they have no real like path to move forward in life. Um, I don't think that all of that's true, but I do think for men in particular, like as you pointed out, there's a lot that has changed. Um, a lot of uh, ways of being that our parents may have had, uh, you know, definitions as you know as it relates to you know how you run gender dynamics at the house and roles and things like that. A lot of that's changed. Um, and so, what I wanted to do is integrate my faith into that part of the conversation because you know, I'm a Christian. And so the Bible has a specific role that man is, is to play in his household, regardless as to what's going on in the culture, because that role is symbolic or metaphorical of the relationship that Jesus has with his church. Um, and so I wanted to integrate both those things. I actually, it was weird. I had a, had a dream about it. Um, I don't give a lot of stock to dreams, but I had a dream cause I was doing a podcast before being husband uh, and it was just, uh, it was just a strictly Christian podcast. It was just about apologetics or whatever. Um, which is for those that don't know, apologetics is like the, the study of, um, I guess you could call it Christian philosophy, why we believe what we believe. And so that was what it was before, uh, but I had this dream where there were these guys in my dream. And we have a focus group about this podcast. And these guys were like, hey, we need you to make this practical for us. We need you to talk about what it is to be a man, what, what the Bible has to say about that, particularly in marriage. And so I had actually written down back in 2016 that I was going to create this website called Being Husband as soon as I got married left it alone. And I didn't start doing being husband podcast until 2019. And so, uh, started that, got it rolling. Um, 
had fun with it, had a crew with me at one point. Um, and now it's just kind of me solo, but it's, it's been good. It's, it's a good way for me to dig into both my faith and both, um, my, my role as a husband and me to kind of really, it's like a sounding board in a way. Cause I talk about these things and then in your mind, you're like, all right, well, I said that I need to be, you know, a servant leader, but now, now I have to like do it. You know what I'm saying? So if, if you, if you talk about it and then you don't do it, I, I would imagine it causes some kind of like cognitive dissonance to some degree, but I'm like, oh man, I just did an episode about how I need to like, you know, take care of things at the house. Oh, I just did an episode about making sure that I go to the gym and lift. Oh, I just did an episode about how I need to, you know, be involved in, um, you know, making sure my testosterone is on point. So all of those things help me to be able to do, you know, what I do day to day. So it's a good way for me to really check myself and um, grow the audience that also helps keep me accountable too. So yeah, that's it. It's my pitch. <laughs> that's awesome. So what, what do you do in your, in your real life? <laughs> yeah, so my real It's not as cool, uh, but I work on a college campus. Um okay. and so I work in the uh office at a college here in Nashville. And uh it's it's good. Uh it is uh what people say working for the man, right? So it's 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 pushing papers, it's a typical nine to five and um you know it, it serves its purpose, uh, but it's it's something that um, you know, I do to take care of home base. So, but that's, my, that's my real job in real life. But, um, recently I have started a side hustle. So I've got the being husband podcast, which is kind of like my ministry. And I don't really intend to, you know, rake in the dollars through that. That's just something that I do to kind of, um, express my faith and, and to be uh, creative in doing that. Uh, but the thing that I do to kind of make my side money is I actually started doing uh raised bed gardens for people. So cool. I was, I was a big time uh, kind of hippie dude in, in college. I was big off into to growing my own vegetables. We actually started an urban farm when I was in college. And uh, everyone was like, Jonathan, man, like, because again, as a black guy, like that, you're not, that's not a cool thing to do. We're past that, right? So you're not supposed to be doing that. And I'm like, guys, you don't understand. Like, this is where the sweet spot is. This is, yeah. you know, this is something that's intrinsically human. So like, let's get involved in this. And especially if people are you know, paying you for it, because I was selling vegetables to faculty and staff. Uh, so anyway, took that skill with me and recently started, uh, like I said, doing that for people in my community that wanted to learn how to do it. Because COVID really kind of got people thinking in those terms, like, all right, well, if supplies are down, like, how can I make sure that I am eating good food and providing good food to my family? And so I posted something on Facebook, um, had immediate interest, and I, I worked all summer and and raked in a, a good bit of cash doing it. So next year we're gonna go full sprint and work from from March till November doing this thing. Uh, you know, not full time because obviously I'll be full time at my job, but definitely burning the candle at both ends so um, so that I can potentially launch this as being like my, my thing. So yeah, we'll I was going to say, do you see yourself doing something like that? Like having a business, just doing that? For sure. For yeah. sure. There's, there's such a market for it because there's a, there's a huge disconnect with people in their food. You know, this cause oh, yeah. this is the work you guys do. Um, and so there, are, there's a huge market of people that just want to get connected with that, but don't know how and, and are scared to kind of take that risk. And so I come in as basically the synthesis between all of their Google searches and uh, and the time that it takes to build these things. And I, I just go in and I do it for them and they get the lovely aesthetic of 
having a fresh garden um, with a little bit less of the, the heavy lifting. So I take a lot of that on for them. So it's been, it's been a really good business model. Wow. So you're, you're like building the boxes and planting the plants and everything, like doing the whole thing. So they have yeah. like a ready to go. So the way that it goes, um, you've got two, you kind of got a few different options with it. So you can have, I've got a DIY kit that you can do. So it's a four by four square foot raised bed. And with that comes uh, soil and some starts. And you can get that every season. You can get that just to start, however you want to do it. That's one way. That's our DIY package. Then I've got another package that I do where uh, it's a custom build. So if you want an eight by eight or if you want something that's really unique to your house, mm-hmm. I can come out there and I can do that, get it set up for you. Um, and then ongoing consultation comes with that. And you can, you can, you can have consultation as well as maintenance with that. So consultation is just me kind of telling you what works best, what grows best. Hey, I've got pest problems. Can you come out and look at it? That type of thing. But then you can also have a maintenance package with that, where I can either come out once a month, uh, once a quarter, however you want to structure that. Uh, and then the, the third option is just me and you kind of have a lifelong deal. And that's like a year, lifelong, but it's really a year. Um, so we're in charge of both the implementation of your custom build, the maintenance of it, uh, the consultation, and we'll winter it over as well. So those are the three different packages that I offer right now. And um, we'll kind of go full scale with those next year. And are you just local in your community? So tell people where you live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I live in, um, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, mm. but I live South. I, I live South of Nashville, Tennessee. So the market really is in Nashville. Cause, cause those people, it, it, folks that live out that way are, you know, they're socialites. They're involved in, in all the things that city life provides. So they don't really have the time, but they definitely have the passion. And so uh, that's kind of where I come in. And my goal is really to teach myself out of a job to get you to a place where this is what you, you do. Um, for yourself and for your family and you bring the kids in on it. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm just South. I live just South of Nashville. So I serve all of I 65. So that's from South Nashville to Franklin to Brentwood, uh, down into my, my parts in the country, Spring Hill, Tennessee. Wow. That's so cool. What a great idea. I could see this being huge for you. I appreciate it. I think we need to get into might need to get into the online thing too, because there might be some people that want online consultation. So maybe that's something that me and you work work together on. Because yeah. you're actually a gardener than me. Well, but we have very like, so we garden and we're like, <laughs> we don't feel like gardeners anymore because we moved to like the Arctic. Um, <laughs> we lived in a climate, I think a lot like Nashville. So we had some humidity, we had temperate winters um, and a lot of, rain and then you know sun it was perfect for growing stuff in western washington because it's a rainforest type climate um unlike here where it's windy it's dry the growing season is literally like three to four months um you have to have you know in some sort of indoor facility whether it's a greenhouse or you have boxes that are covered you know grasshoppers destroyed us this year as we've joked about a lot this year um so we we're learning again I think that I think the real cool skill that you have and when you're teaching somebody to be more self um, sufficient with their food is I think a big place where people feel a little bit uh, what's the word 
they, they, they don't know where to start is with what actually plants to plant and how to grow the plant and how to make sure it's getting fed properly and what's the soil need to be like and um, all those kinds of things. I think that's a big thing because, you know, most people think they're just going to go grow a garden. They throw a bunch of soil in there. They throw some seeds in there and nothing grows. And then they're like, gardening sucks. I don't want to do this because it took me so much time and effort to do all this. So they don't go back to it. And having somebody like you, who it sounds like you also probably know about plants and you know about soil, so you know what needs to grow. And in your climate, what is going to grow? Like, we could never grow sweet potatoes. I'm guessing you could grow sweet potatoes where you live, you know, like those kinds of things. So um, that, I think, is the real service to people because then they actually learn not just about how to build a box and to put soil in it, but they actually learn how to grow food and what that means, right? Yeah. 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 Well, and people, people always ask me, they said, Jonathan, you got a podcast about being a husband and then you got this garden thing. How do those things connect? Right. And I them, you know, I'm kind of a, a nerd when it comes to words, but the, the etymology, which is just the study of words of like the word husband has its roots in being a farmer, has mm-hmm. its roots, in someone that takes care of the land. So mm-hmm. there's a really cool, intrinsic thing going on I'm, I'm i'm helping people husband in a way so it's on both ends of the spectrum so it's it's uh it's cool man it's it's been a really good experience wow that's great well yeah i think you could definitely get some online consults uh going start that business up we'll promote it you <laughs> yeah get going how much work do you want <laughs> um okay so let's get into the nitty-gritty do it how long have you been married uh, we have been married. Hang on a second. Let me not get it wrong. <laughs> We're married. It'll be five years. It'll be five years, 2021. 20, so yeah, four years right now. Okay. So you got married when you were 23? I married when we were 23. Been together since high school. Been together since oh. we were years in high school. Oh, okay. A long, long time. All right. 11 years. Cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, how is marriage for you? <laughs> <laughs> What have you learned? What have you learned in your five years of marriage that you feel is, uh, I mean, what have you not learned? I guess is the question I should ask, but. And marriage is, uh, it is a, a game of humility. I mean, it's really mm-hmm. what it, you, you are, um, I mean, you're really trying to serve the person that you're with or should be anyway. And, and I think, that's something that I think I want to get into when we talk today, because there is, you want to serve and you want to be humble and you want to take care of your spouse, but then you also want to do that in a way that is healthy. And I think that there are certainly healthy ways that that is, and especially for men. I think that men assume that serving their wives is somehow um, being just overwhelmingly self-sacrificial so like for example today you might have wanted ryan on the podcast ryan is like hey i'm trying to go get Mm. this elk you know what i'm saying and that's not him disregarding you and his importance in your life that's him saying this is something that fills me up so that i can come back and do that for you Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of my generation and particularly Christian men, I'll say, kind of got on this train where it was just like, 
don't do any hobbies, don't have a life outside of this. Like this is the only thing that you're allowed to do is basically be an errand boy. And, Mm. you know, um, just from experience, like that's from the, from the few years that I've been married and from a few years that I've been together, there's nothing I think that kills the romance quicker than you becoming an errand boy and not somebody that has something going outside of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Because from what I've gathered from talking to my wife, she likes seeing that I have ambition, likes seeing that I have things that are going. She likes seeing that I have other interests. Um, and, you know, having those interests circle back to, to benefit her is, is a bonus. But having interests is, is an important piece to, to keeping, you know, romance going. And I think that a lot of guys miss that. So that's, I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned is that, um, Jonathan, keep things going. So I, I actually picked up hunting from you guys. So I, I got my six wow. and a half. We saw that. Years. And so Russ rifle season opens up here next week. I'll be out there too. So. Uh, good. Wow. And have you never hunted before? Yes. Uh, went on my first hunt last year, um, with, well, second hunt technically, but first hunt with, success with Robbie Kroger. He's been on the podcast here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so had him, uh, connected with him, had him on the podcast and he's like, Hey, you need to come hunting with us and we need a document. So he took me out to, uh, Starkville, Mississippi, uh, to go hunt. He filmed the whole thing. So he's got that episode will be coming out, I think next month. Uh, so check that out. Blood origins. Mm-hmm. So check them out. But, uh, but yeah, that'll be on next week. And yeah, the, the whole thing was just crazy. I, I killed my first doe, um, butchered her, uh, did that and, uh, processed the meat and made carne asada venison tacos for my wife and for me. And it was just, just, I mean, that's just one of those experiences you don't forget. It's just a really good experience for sure. Yeah. I'm always intrigued by somebody who's like a new hunter who's your age, right? Like my husband was hunting since he was little and to him, it's just second nature, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but for somebody like you, a man in their twenties, who really hasn't had many of, you know, did your grandfather or your father, or did you hunt with them when you were a kid? Did yes. You? My yeah, dad okay. My grand, both of my grandfathers did both of my okay. grandfathers, and uh, you know they, they mostly did like rabbit. They weren't big big game mm-hmm. hunters at all. They cooked fried rabbit, which is pretty standard. It's funny because that's actually pretty standard in like black culture. Like most most of our grandfathers did hunt, um, and probably even you know great grandfathers hunted as well. Because when mm-hmm. you think about you know access to quality food, it wasn't there for black folks. So. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things that needed to be done, good food that was nutritious, uh, a lot of them had to go, you know, either grow it or hunt it. And so it was really kind of lost in, you know, I would say my dad's generation, because, you know, as a joke, I tell him, I said, you know, you guys kind of got city-fied, you know, you guys kind of got, you know, you know, cool and, and you were, you're doing your deal, you're working in town and all that. It's no big deal with working in town. Um, but I think there was that disconnect there. So re- me going back and doing that was a way that I could kind of mm-hmm. reconnect to heritage really. Um, so it's cool. It's, it's, it's been good. It, it's funny. People think that it's again, like, that's not something that you're supposed to do. Like you're a black guy. It's like, <laughs> it's silly. Well, you know? Here's the stereotypes, right? <laughs> <I> like, <laughs> Again, like you and me being friends, it's like wouldn't be the norm, you know, in in the culture, definitely. And I feel 
I, what I feel too about like, you know, what you're interested in with farming and plants and gardening. And then I, it would seem to me like hunting would just kind of be the next best step for you and feeling like you are again, sourcing your food in a good way. And I think too, that the, you know, the African-American culture in the past, you know, farming was actually a big piece of um, post-emancipation era was people that's what they did when they were slaves right and so they were buying they were having land and farming and growing food and doing that kind of stuff in 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 the african-american culture that is really a piece of it it's just that so many people have lost that and um moved away from that or felt like it wasn't necessary because of the cities and and maybe that's going deeper into the political aspect of what's happened in any culture knowing your food and knowing how to grow your food knowing how to kill your food like that's that's just really kind of a primal thing that we all have. So you've been married five years. Um, did you have a strong father? Was your father a strong figure in your life? Did, did your parents have a good marriage? I mean, what was your foundation for marriage? Yeah, my, my dad was. My, so my dad's a pastor. Um, oh, and okay. so that explains really it. Yeah. Well, my dad was a pastor, too. <laughs> oh, oh there we go it's funny because preachers they say preachers kids are the worst so i mean oh, it's kind yeah of... <laughs> I, got, I got in plenty of trouble I did too. <laughs> well i came from a weird family because my dad was like a pastor i guess to call him whatever a preacher minister or whatever and but he did that after my parents got divorced anyway so your father yes yeah. he's a pastor but you're, what you segued into is is huge. So my dad, um, he actually worked. He was in my life. He's always been in my life. Parents are still married. They've been married 30-something years. Mm. Wow. Um, and my dad, uh, he used to work. He was like top dude at like Hershey comp- Chocolate Company for a while and um, got the call like your dad did to the ministry um, and then left that job when to go do ministry full time. And then, yes, he had the odd jobs that he was taking. So he never, so my dad never relied on the church to fund life for us. Mm-hmm. He did the church because he knew that that's what he was called to do. But he also had this really strong understanding of, you know, I've got to make sure that my family's fed. And I got to make sure that, and, and that was, you know, my mom was in school as well during that time. Um, and so, you know, there wasn't income on that side for a little bit. There was a little bit, but not, you know, she was working on both her job as well as her like education. So he knew that he had to, he had to do some things. And so he had some odd jobs that he took and um, he sold insurance for a good while uh, as a life insurance salesman. And um, yeah, he, he, he did both. And so he was always telling me, he's like, son, you know, whenever you get that call to ministry, you got to understand that you're probably going to be tri-vocational, meaning that you're going to be a guy that that works probably with his hands or works in an office and you're going to have your ministry stuff and then you're also going to have your family life. And you're just going to have to accept that as being your lot in life uh, and make sure you try to get as much sleep as you can in the midst of all that, yeah. because, you know, it's important that you do that call but it's also, you got to make sure that they're taken care of like that's, and, and he was very adamant about that. So you could tell you that the passion for family and faith really stemmed from, from that lineage. Cause even my grandfather, his dad um, was a minister, but was also a phlebotomist at the Vanderbilt hospital down here, you know? So wow. he, my whole 
you know, legacy have, have been, you know, guys that were called to the ministry, but men that also took very seriously their responsibility to, you know, take care of their family. And so I'm really just a product of that heritage. And I'm trying to carry that on to, you know, my sons when they come along uh, and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I take, I, I just, I take that role of being a husband really serious. And I also take the role of being, you know, a minister really serious. So that's, uh, he was definitely in my life. Cause, uh, I, I, I can't say that, uh, everybody that's my age has that same convictions, those same convictions. This is pretty unique, I think, to my, my upbringing. You know, we hear a lot about the African-American culture where there's not a lot of dads around. Yeah. It's a, well, in, in some ways, like, you know, there are instances of that and there are yeah. instances where that's like promoted as the norm what you see on TV, you know, and TV has kind of shaped a lot of people's opinions and perceptions about reality and how things really are. We can see that going on in the political world right now. Yeah. You then you watch on TV, you think it's going on everywhere. And it's like, that's, those are, it's making the news because it's rare, not because it's normal. And so I think that, um, there is, again, there is a lot of that that goes on in the community. Uh, but one thing that I think I want to say and make clear is that the, you know, the black community is not uh, the same across the board. Um, there are right. some of us that grew up uh, in the suburbs like myself. There are some of us that grew up in Section 8 housing in South Central L.A. And there are some of us that, you know, believe it or not, grew up in the Governor's Club out here in, in Tennessee. So mm-hmm. everyone's experience is is different. And I think that the the closer we move in to actually get to know people on an individual basis, the more we'll see that there's, there's differences across the board. So, um, yeah, I, I, when it comes to, you know, conversations about the culture, I I pretty much always ask people because people always asking me, you know, man, you know, it must've been so hard, you know, growing up, you know, as a black man, (laughs) I said, it was, it was effing awesome. (laughs) I loved it. I think it's great. You know, um, because uh, for me, you know, my dad being, you know, who he was, we never adopted like a victim frame. So anytime people kind of give me, you know, a victim frame, I, I, I very kindly say, you know, thanks, but no thanks. I, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, I believe in God and I believe that I'm made in the image of God. And so I'm going to do, you know, what I can with the time that I have here and the, the skills that I've built. Make it happen. I love that. One of my best girlfriends is a, uh, we have this conversation all the time. Cause I'm like, should I call you black? Like, what should I call you? And she's like, I don't know. Like, what do I call you? So she, she calls me her white friend and I call her my black friend, but it's so weird because when I have white friends, I don't say like, Oh, she's my white friend. Right. Like, right. and I think in America and when I've traveled to other countries, um, there's definitely racism and other, I mean, I worked in Russia for a while. I'm sorry, folks, but if you think it's racist in the United States, you should go somewhere like Russia where it is very racist. Um, it's not politically correct. There's a lot of things that, I mean, as an American, I was like, are you kidding me? Right. So there are places like that, but also like go to the UK. Nobody says I'm an African British person. Like I, there's just a lot of this thing in America where we have to, we have to take our race and then we have to section it out and we don't just call ourselves Americans, which is really different. I think than a lot of the world, 
where they don't do that. The country is vastly different, but we have more similarities than we give ourselves credit for, for sure. Totally agree with that, for sure. I mean, uh, yeah. me and you, me and you, we're, we we look completely different, but we both dig some organic bone broth. Right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Who wouldn't <laughs> dig organic bone broth? Come on. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so we had our race discussion. We got that out of the way. Everybody can yeah. like relax yeah. now. Oh, okay, we've had the we've had the 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 main discussion of race. Yeah. Um, so. What is it about being a husband? So what, what are some of your, what do you feel foundationally in this culture that one, men who are young like yourself, maybe considering getting married or they are newly married, what are some of the challenges that you find men coming up against, especially with today's culture? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, how long do you have? <laughs> you got as long as you want. <laughs> Man, I, I I think the biggest thing that men don't have right now is they don't have a sense of mission at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't know why they're here um, because they really don't even know. Again, like we talked about before, what it is to be a man, what it is to be a husband. They they've got no clear vision on what that is, and that's I would say that's not really a fault of their own. There's a lot of socioeconomic factors that have played into that. Um, but one of the things that I focused on, uh, again, is etymology, right? So the we know that the word, like I talked about before, the, the word husband is, uh, you know, synonymous with farmer or steward or someone who who, who cultivates. And the right. word cultivate uh, has its roots in the same thing as culture, right? So the word cult. So the the, the idea behind it is um, husbands are culture builders. They build up an environment or should build up an environment in the house where everyone can flourish, where, where the wife is flourishing and the kids are flourishing, just creating that like container or space where that can take place. And so I drive, or I try to drive that home as much as possible. It's like, guys, sit down with the Lord, figure yourself out and ask them, you know, what is my mission? How, how do I build a culture in my house with my gifts, talents, skills, and abilities that's going to allow everybody to flourish in a meaningful way? And when you attach, what I'm finding is that when you attach mission, your nine to five becomes something that has value even. And the work that you do on the side is something that has value because, again, the overarching theme of your life is this mission that you've been given, this calling that you have um, has been given to you. And you're bringing that into fruition in a way that's going to help everybody around you flourish. And so, like I said, I think that's the number one thing that guys are missing. I think, you know, a lot of this stuff is market driven, right? If we can, if we can get rid of men that have mission then they'll focus more of their attention on sports. If we can get rid of men that have an overarching mission in their life, we can get rid of them uh, focusing their attention on, you know, we, we can get rid of them, focus their attention on mission, and put it on video games. If we get rid of their mission, we can have them focus their attention on porn. And I think those are the, like, those, those things, are, if I'm going to be frank, robbing us of our uh, ability to do anything meaningful. (laughs) If I could just be honest. Uh, People don't like that. There's a lot of guys that give me pushback when I, yeah, Jonathan, why are you getting on the video games, man? It's like, oh, come on. You know, everybody watches a little porn. It's like, oh man, come on, man, get off of us. And I'm like, listen, I understand 
But understand that time and money are two important assets that you have because your family requires both from you. And if you're spending your time and money in places that don't bring any kind of meaningful return, again, going back to the mission, you're wasting your energy. You're wasting your God-given energy. And I'm sorry about it, but that's just the the long and short of the situation. So, um, you know, I, I, I try to give guys a, a big picture so that way they have something aspirational because I think that that's something that I'm trying to create in my own life. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I, I think that the world today is definitely uh, men have a bit of a struggle, like I said much earlier that we talked about. Um, but in a very short period of time, we've seen the cult, the, the roles drastically change where women have taken on massive amounts of work outside of the home. Yes. And men have sort of, so women have like expanded yeah. why men have contracted. Bingo. Does that make sense? I used to think being a stay-at-home mom was like, that's like a loser job. Yeah. What do you and think? Now man? I'm like, dude, I would give my right arm to be a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> right? Dude, so, all right. So here's, here's okay. The there's my rant. Yes. No, you're good. A lot of people, when I mention that I talk about like biblical roles, a lot of people assume mm-hmm. that I'm talking about leave it to beaver. And I'm not talking about leave it to beaver. Right. Because me and you've talked about this, I think, before. Um, when you think about the household in biblical times and even in early America when we had more agrarian society, women and men were both very busy in and outside of the house. Mm-hmm. Men were going out way into the field to, I guess, you know, pick the corn or whatever it is that they were doing. And women were grabbing firewood. And, and so there was like a lot more to do. But you fast forward to the Industrial Revolution. And you've got essentially robots doing all the all the work now. You got a microwave, you got an oven, you know what I mean? And I'm not suggesting yeah. that we all go back and be Amish. But what I'm saying is, is that like what happened with the Industrial Revolution, I would say that women in large part lost their meaning. You know what I'm saying? It, at least they felt like they lost their 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 ability to be able to do things. So I mean, frankly, they were bored and they felt like like your grandma, like he's he's the hero and I look like a schmuck kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I would I would say that the response to that was kind of where, you know, your generation and my generation are at now. They were like, well, we're gonna go and we're gonna go out and have it all. And so now both mom and, and dad are outside of the house and we send the kids off to public school to be raised by everyone else. And I'm not, again, I'm not dogging public school, right? It's like I, I might end up sending my no, kids. No, but it's there, but true. I'm, it's totally I'm, true. Like yeah. I've homeschooled and I've public schooled. And yeah. my, my responsibility and participation when my kids go to public school is like 90% less than when I homeschool them. Um, I hate homeschooling. I'm sorry. I love I love the idea of it, but it's really, really hard to do. And the parents that can do that, like my hat's off to them. And, you know, who knows in the future, we might have to do it again. And I would be in a different headspace. But back when we were doing it, it was really difficult to do. Um, <laughs> but it's hard. But yeah, we do. We send her to public school. And it's awesome because parents can go to work and parents can have a life. And exactly. But your kids are being taught by somebody you, you probably don't even know. 
Yes. You don't even know them. Yeah. And so there's a lot of trust that has to do that. Um, So my, my only, I'm not, a lot of people, you know, when they listen to the podcast, not a lot, but a few people will say, well, what are you, what are you proposing? And I'm not saying that we need to go back and be Amish. I'm also not saying that we need to go leave it to Beaver. I'm also not saying that this current model is working out very well either. What I'm trying to suggest is that we, number one, I don't have the answers, but number two, we need to find ways in which men in particular need to find ways in which we can, again, create that culture, create that environment, create that space. We need to find meaning in what it is that we, um, because what both of those movements, be it the industrial revolution stripping, you know, meaning from, you know, the role of, you know, homemaking, and then, you know, you could call it the technological revolution we're in now stripping, you know, man's meaning. Um, what happened with both of those is that both people lost meaning. And so what we're going to have to do now is find out on a really, frankly, a very spiritual, philosophical understanding of what it is to be man and what it is to be woman, what it is to be husband, what it is to be wife, because we have, as a society, completely kind of obliterated those things. And it's not as simple as here's 10 steps to be a good husband. Here's 10 steps to be a traditional wife or whatever. It's not that simple because we're we're post that. And so now we're going to have to find new ways of what that looks like. So that's, you know, the project that I do with being husband is exactly that finding it's not going back. It's trying to figure out a Renaissance way to do that. What's a Renaissance way to be a husband that does provide for his household, that does protect his family. um, And it does have meaning in his life, but that doesn't necessarily mean for everybody that you move to the countryside and you guys both become, you know, uh, back to the land type of people that may not be everybody's reality, but find you have to get meaning. And I think that a lot of men have lost meaning and we can see this in the suicide rates of men. I mean, yeah. it's eight times, eight times more likely for men yep. to commit than it is for women. And that's right. up from your parents and your grandparents generation. I think exactly because we don't have any kind of overarching thing that gets us up in the morning. So, um, you know, and, you know, without going too deep into this, I've, I've had friends that, uh, you know, have committed suicide, men, male friends that have just decided that it's, it's a route. And so, you know, my, you know, my work is in part, uh, ministry, but it's also in part, it's, it's I tell everybody it's suicide prevention because, um, we, we're, we're in a, we're in an impasse a little bit here. I mean, this, this, it's a lot when you, when you've been, um, when you don't know what you're supposed to do, you don't really have any hope for the future. And that's really important that you have that as a man in particular, a man needs a mission. Uh, he needs a reason to, to get up in the morning. I would assume women need it too, but I, I'm speaking as a man. Um, I know that when I don't have a whole lot to do, I just diddle around and sit there on my phone and, you know, not do anything meaningful. So um, anyway, I, the the work is the work is important, and I think the work needs to be done. But we've got to get to a renaissance place about it. It's not going back; it's moving forward, but moving forward with some purpose. I think the mistake a lot of younger people make when they get married is, well, one when you're we got married when we were twenty three and twenty four, so we were your age too. We got married around the same time you did. 
um, you have this idea in your head that when you get married, there's some kind of like, I don't know, utopia thing that's going to happen. And then you realize like, that's not what it is, right? It's still the same situation and you have to, um, but now you're like obligated to, like you said, (laughs) there's a lot of compromise that goes on. There has to be a lot of compromise and it can be really hard in the beginning. I'd say the first 10 years Mm -hmm. when you're also figuring yourself out, figuring out what you want and then realizing you have to, um, how do I say this? Like you need to be in the marriage, all in the marriage, but you also need to have something that's outside of the marriage that fills you up. So you don't burn out lost in that and burn out. Yeah, for sure. Um, what's changed in five years. So yeah. Like what's different in your marriage than when you first got married? Oh my gosh. Um, we have changed in five years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would hope so. Yeah. Well, so again, I think early on in our marriage, there was a, there was a like frame that I took where I was like, all right, like I'm going to just, and I talked about this earlier, but just completely like disregard anything that I have going on. And I'm going to just do everything for her. So I'm, I'm cooking dishes, I'm cleaning, mm. I'm going to work. I'm, I'm not working now. I'm not hanging out with friends. Cause I'm going to just be here for her hundred percent of the time and get it all done. And, uh, in my mind, I thought that by doing all of that, I was going to get all the affection that I could ever want, all the kisses, all the sex, everything that I could ever want just by doing that. <laughs> and, um, I could not have been more wrong. I think oh. <laughs> I don't think I could have been any more wrong in that situation because at that point, um, I had, uh, I kind of worked with this, like, it was weird. It was like a covert contract. It was like, if I just do everything for her and don't tell her that that's really why I'm doing it, I'm not doing it. Cause I like actually want to help. I'm doing it because I hope that I can, you know, it's get what I want. Yeah. And that caused a lot of resentment because when it wouldn't happen in the way that I wanted it to, and when I wanted it to, she was like, Whoa, I, we, I thought you were trying to just, be good to me. I didn't know that you had this hidden agenda this whole time. Mm. Uh, So that caused a lot of issues early on. And so I basically had to get to a point where I was like, you know what, like, I'm going to make sure that, you know, I've got other things going on in my life that I'm taking care of myself from a health standpoint that I've got um, ways that I'm giving back. So I'm not using I'm not using sex and sexual expression and and affection as validation for my existence, which is really what that had become. Mm -hmm. I was kind of making, you know, if she does this, then that's how I'm validated. And it's like, no, man, like go out and do things and validate, you know, yourself, you know, let God validate you in the different things that you're doing and don't seek it from everybody else. And even from her, that's too much pressure. (laughs) <laughs> for anybody, you know? So, um, that's the way that I changed. And I think the way that she's changed is that, you know, now she's a lot more you know, receptive. She's uh, a lot more excited to see me when I get home. Cause there's no like hidden agenda. She's actually, mm-hmm. she knows that I'm not needing her to fill me up. I'm, I've, I've got my things going and I'm, I'm good. And so mm-hmm. I, I've come into her almost from a fullness, you know, I'm not seeking anything from her other than just, you know, Hey, how's it going? You know, a little conversation here and there, mm-hmm. but, but yeah. So I, I think that that dynamic has really changed because we're not, 
again, I'm not working from a covert contract um, and she's not working from a place of being on the defensive every time I come home. Is he going to blow up at me? Cause I didn't, you know, uh, mm. want to tonight. Is he going to blow up at me because he had a bad day? It's like, no, like I'm managing myself. I'm managing what I got going on. And, you know, when me and you get together, it's like, you know, we're just, we're hanging out, we're having a good time and we're letting, you know, things happen as they, as they happen, as they naturally move. So that's probably the main thing. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like remembering back to your age, which was so long ago, but I, I remember back, I think, men are taught this and I think it's a subconscious thing within the culture is that how you get affection is sex like that that is um men aren't really telling their feelings not used to some are some are and there's I mean again stereotyping everybody's different some men are super like over communicating all the time and you're just like seriously can you please stop (laughs) and some guys like my husband when we were first married I mean, the guy would, if we got into a fight, he would sometimes literally go get in his car and drive away. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, what just happened? And in the middle of a fight, because his, uh, he, he did not like confrontation that way. He, he didn't want to blow up at me. And like, I, but I was one of these fighters. Like, I want to fight. I want to get it out now. I want to get it over with. And his way of dealing with was, well, let's like, let me think about it. I need space. I need time. And maybe if I just leave for a while, it'll just go away. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when it comes to emotional natured things, anything that's emotionally charged, you know, like you didn't take the garbage out. I mean, he wasn't going to get in the car and drive away from that. You know, he'd be like, well, sorry, I'll do it next week. Like chill out. Right. But if it was an emotional issue where he had to be emotionally confronted communication and so our communication was really poor because I was raised to be this like tell me now and I want the answer and let's fight it out and he I think was raised where confrontation was just not something his family did if there was a problem if you wait long enough it'll probably go away I think communication is the biggest factor especially when you're first starting out in a marriage is um, <laughs> is to learn how to talk to each other yes. and express your needs because you can go decades. I mean, there are marriages that go decades and they don't talk to each other. They don't tell each other their needs. They don't have any communication that way. And they build tons of resentments. And, and, um, and a lot of those marriages too, they stray, you know, they go outside the home and they get their emotional needs met, whether that's a woman having a, a a male friend who talks to her, you know, Mm -hmm. she doesn't even have to be having any sexual relationship with him. She just feels like he listens and he talks and, you know, or men straying outside of their relationship with women that aren't going to expect them to be communicating all the time. Right. That kind of thing. And they can emote and not have that expectation. But um, I think that's the biggest thing is that men sometimes correlate that to intimacy, whereas women, it's totally different. We correlate that to you want to be you want to be emotional with me. (laughs) Right. And. um, Yeah, so that's what I remember being young is this whole thing of communicating the right way and um, not just the expectation of certain things. And then, well, I'll take that away from you you pissed me off. I'm just going to take that away from you. And people do that a lot. <laughs> I got a question for you in, in, in light of that. So 
you know, because I've been racking my brain through this. Wouldn't you agree there's a difference in when Ryan comes to you or if Ryan were to come to you and just blurt out all of these emotions and all of his need and he's like, in a fetal position on the floor, whereas he's communicating <laughs> in a healthy way. Right. So like, that's, that's my thing is like, what, when it comes to communication and communication of need, what's the difference in being needy versus communicating need in a healthy, uh, masculine perhaps way. Mm. Cause there is a difference, I think, and I'm trying to figure out where it exists. I'm trying to, figure out where that line is um (laughs) i think it's about i think for a lot of women it's more about not trying to fix the problem but communicate about the problem about how you see it so like as a man this is the problem and communicating in a way that, like you said, is not laying on the floor in the fetal position, unless, of course, that's something really bad and it's necessary, you know. And I'm sure most women would be like, oh my gosh, you know, they're going to be really understanding and, you know, take that into account. But um, I think it's trying not to fix the problem, it's more trying to ask what can I do? What, what can I do? Or if they have a problem with you, let's say like he has a problem with me, um, not coming at it, like trying to fix you or judge you. And that's the biggest thing. Judgment. Yeah. Nobody likes judgment. So you can get really defensive when there's a lot of judgment and I am, I'm totally guilty of this. Sometimes, you know, I'm like, come out with my finger wagon and da 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 da, you know, knocking you on the chest kind of thing. And that is the first thing that will just make him shut up and turn away and walk away. Mm-hmm. If I just out of the gates, that's where I come from. Um, yeah. He'll just be like, screw you. You think yeah. I'm going to share my feelings with you? Sorry, I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, And that can be really hard for women because I do think women want a reaction. Mm -hmm. We sometimes we want a reaction. We do that because we want you to react to us and actually deal with it. But a lot of men either get defensive. Mm -hmm. They don't like the way in which it's said to them. Like again, words and tone are very important. I have a tone. Sometimes Ryan will be like, do you hear how you're talking to me? Yeah. You think I'm going to talk to you? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, <laughs> yeah. And he'll even say to my older daughter, do you, do you hear mom's tone? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. But it's true. It, there's something about men I've noticed that if you come at them like that, it's kind of like, a, I think an instinctual thing. It's like a fighting thing. If you come at them with that judgment and that tone and that fighting, you're not going to get the reaction you want. You're typically going to get the reaction you don't want. And you might be doing it hundred percent sincerely. Like yeah. you just have to tell them this and this is what you have to say. And it just comes out wrong. And I know even in my case is, um, as I've gotten older, I'm trying to get better at it is think before you say, Mm -hmm. that is one thing Ryan is very good at. 
I think his whole thing of leaving and taking time is that he doesn't ever just blurt stuff out that he knows is going to be worse than what maybe even the topic was about. Right. 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 Um, and some people do that. They just can't control that need to be right or to have the last word or, or whatever it is. And so I think that coming at it from a non-judgmental place, but women do want men that are able to communicate their needs. Mm-hmm. You know, if the hardest thing with my husband is that my husband, like you said, hobbies outside the marriage, like just like roll the sheet out of all the things that my husband wants to do that have absolutely nothing to do with me. Like Mm -hmm. 0%. That sometimes can get hard because it's the flip side. Now you have a spouse who is always dreaming about being someplace else. He's always dreaming about being on a mountain. He's always dreaming about this. Um, He gets very in his head about these things. He's, he's on a mission and you know, he'll get up at four in the morning to research basins on Google maps. And I'm just like, what are you doing? And, you know, he, and he'll stay up late researching things and stuff. So I sometimes get more that like, Oh, I feel left out. I feel like I'm not being paid attention to because he has so many other things. So we really have to find a balance. But if I come at him, like you never pay attention to me, (laughs) he's going to be like, yo, I'm out of here. Like, I'm not going to, take this crap yeah Yeah. and I do think it's the aspect of what you do Um, my husband has very healthy hobbies I feel like I don't feel like he's doing hobbies and some guys don't like you said some guys are like you know drinking and they're going to the bar and they're hanging out with their buddies they're spending money like crazy that's not healthy um they're not taking care of themselves um they are yeah they're not contributing to the emotional household. And I think that's the biggest thing. But I will say women like men, most women like men that are more manly. I I'll have this, okay, so I was listening to this podcast during the whole political thing. And I thought, okay, I'm going to listen to this podcast. I never listened to it before. And it was a group of three guys. Halfway through the podcast, I thought to myself, dude, somebody needs to drop these guys off in the woods by themselves. Cause these guys live in no reality. I don't know what reality these men live in and, um, sexual preference or whatever aside, literally had nothing to do with it. It was just the way in which they were talking. I thought to myself, do women find this attractive? And not that anybody needs to find them attractive, but there is something about a man. You want him to be somewhat like assertive and you want him to have some sort of life skill. Like, can you build me a garden bed? Can you plant me? As in, can you kill me an animal if I needed to? Like, yeah. um, I just, that's how I think now. And it's probably really pathetic, but that's kind of how I think when I think of like a man that I would want mm-hmm. to be with. Um, yeah probably because my husband's trained me really well at that. But I also feel that um, that is something that is attractive to women. Um, Yeah. And and women are very confused now too, because we don't, we don't want to be stereotyping either, but there's just something instinctual. You can't take the animal out of people. I'm sorry. Bingo. 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 And it's funny that you're saying that because that's, We've mentioned that on the podcast because there is this 
as you said, like primal instinctual drive on both sides of the aisle um, when it comes to what women's purposes. And I think, you know, I'm a, said I'm a faith guy. I think God gave those things to us because what I've learned just in reading and you called me a philosopher. That's funny. <laughs> you are. My reading, um, the preference for like a lot of evolutionary psychology, I'm not big on evolution, but I think the field is interesting, but there's a lot of study on, you know, women being attracted to men that are larger and generally like from an evolutionary standpoint, that ensure that your kids would survive because he's more likely to be able to protect Mm -hmm. in said cave. Um, And then, you know, men being attracted to women that have, you know, larger hips and and breasts and things like that, that was a signal for fertility. So those things are, those things are like, we say that we don't want to stereotype because that's like very like social and that's like our social contract. Like we don't want to be those people. But we have some biological like imperatives that I think God gave us uh, to be attracted to the opposite sex when we're talking about like heterosexual relationships. So, you know, um, it's, it's funny that you brought that up. I, I, I think that, um, you know, when I when I brought home that uh, that venison last year, there was a uh, there was a glimmer. <laughs> there's a glimmer in her eye. Yeah, I don't. And it's funny when. The first time I saw that glimmer was when I brought home, I brought her home like sunflowers when I had, uh, when I made that raised, or when we were growing vegetables at the college I was in, we had a sunflower bed and I, I cut her off some after I got done harvesting. I brought it to her. Hands were dirty and dusty and everything. And, and she was like, oh my goodness, thank you so much. And it was like a little, it was a little spark. And I, I think, I think there's something to what you said about, uh, her seeing me go out and, you know, potentially risk or work hard or sweat and to bring her back something that she can enjoy as well. There's something to that. And I think, um, I don't know. I think, I think it's healthy. I, you know, all the social stuff aside, I think it's, I think it's healthy for, for, for a guy to get out there and kind of, you know, get hurt a little bit and then bring something back. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just, yeah, it's a good feeling. I can't. And the, The other thing is women are tough. So women go through a lot of things in their life men don't go through. Um, Just by, again, nature and just the nature of being a woman. And historically, women have actually been so tough. And the things that we've had to do to survive, to make sure that our children survived, um, you know, we, we are by we are not the weaker sex. You know, I, I do not believe this stereotype that we are the weaker sex and that we have to depend on a man to do things for us. That's not the conversation here. Women can be strong, powerful because we are just by the nature of what we do in our lives. Um, to have a family is whether you birth a child or not, like to raise children this is a very hard job. And a lot of it falls on the mother in the early years when kids are little, they want mom, you'll come to see that. Um, And our life transitions and our hormones set us up for that. And it is not easy. The amount of sleep deprivation that we go through, the amount of our body being completely changed and destroyed. And it's crazy what women go through to keep the race going 
And so we are tough women. We, we are like, and I'll tell you, even in my practice, women by far have higher pain thresholds than men. Women have way more invasive procedures throughout their life than any man does. Like if a man has to get a digital rectal exam, you think he's like going to, he, he thinks he's going to die. And I'm like, obviously haven't had a baby or had to have a pap smear every year since you were 18 years old. And, you know, on these kinds of things. So, you know, we definitely are strong individuals and there is no doubt. I saw my mother do it. I've seen millions, I've millions of women do it. They can raise children, have a job, do it without a man. Yes. But there's something about a partner. Um, and again, we're talking heterosexual relationships here. Right. Um, but I do know homosexual relationships where they do have roles as well. There are roles. Okay. One person within the relationship is by far doing roles that a husband would do. And another one is staying home and raising the children. So, you know, we take on these roles as parents or, family, you know, whatever. But there's something about a man in the relationship that is really, really, really important. And I've even, okay, let's go back to homosexual relationships. I have friends that are lesbians, no father in the home. They have boys. Mm-hmm. And they're like, can you take our boys? Can Ryan take our boys? Can Ryan be around our boys? Teach them how to be boys. We are women. We can't do this. Like we understand this. We, now that we have children, we understand these boys need to be around men. So there's something about men and definitely something about men in boys' lives that is really, really important. And in the relationship, you know, men are, they bring in a piece that allows the woman to take a breather because without a man, you don't get a break ever. And this is what I would say to, you don't have children yet, but to marry men with children, especially young children you got to give your wife a break. This is where I see the most resentment come into marriages is that the woman has been working outside the home. She's like, like me educated, all this stuff. And then she has a baby and then she's at home. Her life stops. Literally. She's breastfeeding every two hours. And then she has to go back to work at five weeks. She doesn't want to do, she doesn't want to do that but she's pumping all day. And then she gets home and then she's sleeping every two hours. She's getting woken up. And here you are sleeping like a baby, not even waking up, not even helping, not, not, um, you know, and then you get up and you just go to work or you get up and you go to the gym because you can just get up and go to the gym. You know, you can't do that. This builds a ton of resentment in women, especially working women who had a life outside of the home prior to children is that all of a sudden their life is like, and there's a transition period. I mean, our hormones are set up to kick us in and we become moms like right out of the gates. But let me tell you, there's a lot of resentment that gets kicked in. I see this in this community because women were doing all the stuff with their men, hiking, hunting, doing all the same things their husbands were doing. Then they have a baby and then hunt season comes. They're not going anywhere. They're not doing it. They have to stay home. And their husband's like, see you later. Gonna go do the hunt just like I do every single year. So what I say is give your wife a break because now you've added in a child and the demands put on her are huge. And Mm -hmm. I've always said this and I will always say this. And I say this from learning in the past and my own experience is men, if you have a wife with small children, your, her emotional health is your responsibility. And, and I say that because she doesn't have a choice now. Mm -hmm. 
she has a child and her instinctual signal will be forever tied to that child, whether you leave or not, like you can do what you want as a man. She has that child. And this is why you see most of the time, the women, the men leave, the women have the children. They're, they are in most cases, not all cases, but they are bonded to that child and they don't have the choice. Now they, most of them are not just going to pick up and go leave and do what they want with their life. Right. So men, we have, you have to realize that she's putting all her emotional energy into those children. She's sleep deprived. She's not getting any time to herself. And you're busy doing your thing. Like, I just say, give her time, you know, help her out. That's probably the most important time. Cause as children get older, they start becoming more self-independent. You can, I like, I've noticed it with me. I go back to doing more what I want again. And, you know, but I'm still probably the head of the children. Like Ryan still goes and hunts and does what he wants. And he knows I'm going to be here. Right. And so if he doesn't give me the break, he doesn't give me the respect of helping me out with that boy, you can build a lot of resentment. And then the children will grow up eventually and they will leave and they will go on with their lives. And the woman's sitting there and she just devoted her whole life to her children. And now her husband, they don't have a relationship. Her children are gone. And, you know, this is a really, like, I would say that is the most important thing. Give her a break, help her out. Realize it's not going to be like this forever. The little babies will grow up and you will be able to go back to doing what you love all the time. But you're going to be together a lot longer than your children are going to be in your home. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have a relationship with each other and you don't have common things together and you don't like communicate Mm -hmm. and you don't have that respect for time and um, nurturing, like you said, and and um emotion and that kind of stuff boy people just look at each other and they just like the kids leave and they're like who are you right yeah. like what am i doing here yeah. so in a marriage relationship you got to keep that bond somehow and a great way to do that as a young man with young children is to help your wife out because she will remember that she will remember like how like, cause maybe in my grandpa's day, that's how that wasn't like that. Like okay. he didn't do that. He didn't, you know, cause that was her job and you could call it her job. Even though she doesn't have a job, I don't care. Like we need help. We need yeah. to get away. Even if it's to go to church, if it's to go to the gym, if it's to like have some time for ourselves, go hang out with our girlfriends for a lunch. Like we, we need that. And women, those are the little things. Here's another thing. men are like, what should I do? What should I do? What do I, women are so complicated. Women are so this. And I'm like, women are not complicated. (laughs) One of the best things my husband ever started doing was sending me a picture of a bouquet of flowers on every single hunt. And it's called the backcountry bouquet. And he just started sending to me, and this was long before we ever did social media or anything. He would just take flowers or sagebrush or whatever he could find. He would take a picture of it and he would send it to me. And I could be pissed at him, like stuff. I could be really mad. And he went and I could be, he'd send me that picture. And I'd be like, oh, oh, he's thinking about me. Oh, he's not such a bad guy. And 
that those little things make the biggest difference. I mean, that's my opinion. And guys seem to think it's super complicated. It's not mm-hmm. like buy your wife flowers once in a while, you know, like say some nice things to her, like tell her she looks beautiful. Like, wow, honey, you look really nice today. Yeah. I mean, if you never say that to your wife and you say that to her, she will be dragging you to the bedroom yeah. because you acknowledged her and you acknowledge something other than like, Oh, the kids have to go to basketball and Oh, we have to do this. And Oh, this and that instead of chores and sort of things that you have to do or she has to do or whatever, like acknowledge like, wow, honey, the house looks so good. Like, I love that the floor is clean. I mean, that's amazing. Did you wash the floors today? Like, uh, be observant. This is one thing men are not. And maybe you can fill me in on why men are not very observant. But like my husband, he probably walk in the house. He always says, every time I come home on a hunt trip, the house is different. So he does notice that. <laughs> but on a day-to-day basis, he's probably not that observant. He may not notice that I cut my hair or that I put makeup on or that I, because he's just used to being around me all the time. But if you're observant, just about little things, it makes a huge difference because women are wired. We are community beings. Men are not the same way as women. Men are more wired to be independent, I think. I think by nature, men are more like you're kind of warring against each other. Not that you don't have community, but you're, you're kind of set up to be women are community. We need like people. That's why we have the babies and we do all this stuff. You know, we dance and sing and men tend to be a little bit more reserved. Let's say, um, they think more about things. Maybe they're, if you just acknowledge to a woman, like that, you notice her, you're in, you're in, you're in. And if any woman disagrees with me on that, you can let me know. But I would say that I I think that that's one thing. And I don't think young men get that as much because they don't want to look like we talked about earlier, maybe look like wimps or something. Like if you give people praise, Mm -hmm. it makes you look weak. Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes men think that like if I tell her how I actually see or how I feel about her, I will look weak. Therefore, I won't give her that satisfaction. And we hold that from each other, right? Mm-hmm. And if, yeah. we, if we just gave more of that, your marriage might be so much like, she would be so much more open. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, try this experiment. You want to go somewhere. Like, okay, guys, you want to go on a hunt trip. Taking a note. Taking notes. For two weeks prior to that hunt trip, just fill your wife with compliments. Mm-hmm. Like, you look beautiful. I love what you're wearing wow, did you lose weight today? Um, you know, I don't know. Like, you're so smart. I'm so thankful for you. Um, yeah. Like, let's spend some time together. Hey, yeah. you want to go for a walk? Hey, let's do something you want to do. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> like, if you just did that and were conscious of that, you would get anything you want. She'd be like, sure, go on a hunt trip. Awesome. Because her cup is full. Yeah. Her cup is full. And women don't need sex like men do. I think, again, back to this idea that men emote through sex. And so they really, that's how they connect, you know. And women understand that. We know that about you guys. And so we love that, too. We love that connection. But we are built to oh. get feedback. 
Mm -hmm. right? And if it's only through sex, at some point it becomes kind of like, well, that's all he cares about, (laughs) right? So if you give her feedback through other avenues besides that, her cup gets filled up and then she feels she has more energy to give you what you want, right? You're giving me gold right now. (laughs) This is like, it seems like so simple. It seems, it seems like this should not be This should not be brain surgery, Mm -hmm. but we hold back as couples. And I don't quite know why that is. You know, there's a tug of war sometimes Mm -hmm. and men, I hear men say the same thing. So I won't only put this on men. I will put this on women as well. Mm -hmm. Men need respect in order to feel love. And if you disrespect him and you call him things and you don't acknowledge what he's done, men, men don't function as well. So Mm -hmm. on the flip side, tell your husband, like, I so appreciate you working. Um, I so appreciate you. Wow. Look, you built that thing outside. That's awesome. You know, Oh, you chopped all that wood. Wow. Thank you so much. And, and I'm thank you for cooking dinner. And I'm, Thank you so much for helping with the children and, 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 um, you know, respect is really important for men and men who don't feel respected. They, they're not as happy. Um, their relationships aren't as good. There's a lot of conflict. Yeah. So respect is a big thing. Um, but that's what I would, that's what I've noticed. (laughs) I did get a comment from a guy who was like, I, so I did go on Instagram, right? And I asked a bunch of questions. I asked some questions about marriage and I told people, okay, tell me, give me some advice. Give me some like tips on what you think, you know, makes a happy marriage. And then also what questions do you have? Yeah. <laughs> One guy was like, uh, let's see here. Men are usually right. So try to remember that in any disagreements and you will go far. Well, men, are always right. <laughs> men are always right. Men are always right. Men are usually right. So try to remember that in any disagreement and you will go far. <laughs> so I'm hoping this guy's joking. Yeah, yeah, he probably is. He's he being sarcastic, I yeah, think. For sure. For sure. But <laughs> if you think you're always right, you have a life of hell coming. Like oh y- you are going to be paying the piper like a lot. You are definitely not going to be getting what you want right, <laughs> from your wife. <laughs> Appreciate your wisdom. <laughs> and a lot of people right now are very triggered by narcissists. <clears throat> so, you know, if you tend to be on the narcissistic side, yeah, as a man I or am. a woman, plenty yeah. of women are narcissistic as well, and you think that you are always right, yeah, and that whatever they say is like you're not going to listen to it, um that's just a recipe for disaster. So if you think you're always right, you need to get some counseling because you may have some narcissistic (laughs) tendencies and that's the greatest way to really drive everybody out of your life. Right. 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 So, um, and that should be common sense as well. (laughs) Okay, Jonathan. So I am going to ask you some questions. Okay. That I got from our community. Okay. You answer them. Maybe I'll answer them. I talk way too much, so I need to shush. You're good. Let's see here. Um, (laughs) uh, Let's see. Okay, here's a good one. So how do you rekindle passion that you started seven years ago as young adults that is now dead? Mm. A heavy one. How do you rekindle passion? Um, Mm. 
Well, evidently, according to Hillary, it's uh, <laughs> just uh, acknowledging that she looks good. Today. But for like for us, um, you know, whenever you know, passion if if it falls flat, normally it's been trips tend to always work. Hmm. Take a good trip tends to always do the trick if things have gone kind of flat. So uh, uh, yeah, a good trip. Um, just the time to kind of get away and relax, I think is really key for us. Cause we're pretty, both of us are pretty like Leah's a lot like yourself, doc. Mm -hmm. She's, she's a go, she's a nurse. Um, she works in cosmetics. She's very, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, I've, you know, I've got my, got the podcast stuff, got my job, I got garden beds I'm building, you know, always working. So when we can kind of get together and not be on and just kind of be with each other tends to be when, oh man, like, wow, you forgot how good you look. It's like, oh man, I forgot how good you, you've been working out, Jonathan, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> in the gym. So it, it, that's when, you know, you start to notice, uh, each other again and not in the capacity like you mentioned the capacity of just you know we just got dogs we don't have kids right now we actually just got a new puppy oh, um, that's more that's worse than a new kid dude a lot of work we, uh, a funny story i'll tell you this um was gonna go to the gym yesterday after i got home from work but we had just got the new dog and uh I was on the phone with her all day, um, just back and forth. And she was just like, man, you know, these, these dogs, man, keep me busy. Just kind of like hinting, you know what I mean? And uh, I got home and saw everything that was going on. And, uh, you know, she looked like she was excited to have the dogs, but she had had a day for sure because mm -hmm. she was off. Day. And uh, I said, you know what? I'm not going to go to the gym tonight. I'm going to stay home. We're going to deal with the dogs. We'll hang out. We'll eat leftovers. It'll just be a thing. And she, she really, she did appreciate that. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I'm going to take exactly what you said and try to try to do that um, more often. Cause I think, you know, you're exactly right. There is a lot of, uh, a lot of stress, a lot of added stress as, you know, as things have kind of gone on and, um, the world with, you know, as we said earlier, women kind of expanding, right? They're not just homemakers, but they're homemakers. They're, they're bosses at their job, their friends, their sisters and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I will, uh, I'll continue to do that. And, and like I said, I think the vacation thing coupled with your advice is probably going to be my <laughs> <key>. <laughs> Okay. So I would say one, you need to be communicating. I think a lot of people just don't communicate. They don't talk to each other. and over seven years, you know, you've been married five years, you change, you, you really change all the time. And as you are, if you, especially if you get married young or you were together young, boy, I think from 18 to 30, you do a huge transformation in who you are. Cause you go from being a kid to being an adult and you also in there, like, who am I, what am I doing? And then if you throw a marriage in there, you know, you got two people doing that together. And so I think there's a huge transformation that goes on in those decades that decade. Um, and I think it has something to do too, with the person you chose, like, you know, going back and thinking about what was it about them that made me want to marry them. Right. Sometimes people don't get married for the right reasons. Um, mm. I hate to say that. Right. And I would never be a huge advocate of not being together anymore, but there's a lot of people that get married for the wrong reasons. Um, yeah. and they are just not compatible. 
you know, you always have to take that into consideration. Um, but if there was passion in the beginning and there was that, like, what, what was that, you know, what was going on back then that was doing it now when you're 18, 17, 16, so easy to be passionate because you don't have a mortgage to pay and you don't have bills and your parents are doing everything for you. And you could just go be with your girlfriend and just be in love. Like that's all you have to do. Then you grow up, life hits, realities hit, jobs hit, school hits, kids hit maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And boy, that really changes for a lot of people. And if you don't have that memory of what was it that, you know, really brought us together, that can be hard. But remember too, young love is really awesome. Like if we could all go back to being 17 again and being in love, like that's probably one of the best feelings ever in the world. It's like the best feeling and the most tragic feeling, especially if it doesn't work out, right? Like you're, you talk about want to kill yourself. Like your life is going to end over this person because you're not with them anymore, but it's such a raw feeling. And I think people are always searching for that feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, They want to feel that. And I don't think a lot of people feel things Mm -hmm. sometimes. I think we've become numb like the social media. I don't even know how people date now. Like how do people date on Tinder? Like what? Like when I was in your, when I was your age or when I was 25, 20, you know, we didn't have all this distraction and we went on dates and we had friends, groups of friends and we had jobs. So I think that's how most people meet is through school or jobs. Um, and you have some, something in common that you like or whatever, but I, I feel it's hard today. Maybe it's a different world, but um, I, I feel like people have become sort of numb and they don't, they have too many distractions and they're not, you know, we can, we can just easily, so easily forget, but that feeling of being in love is really what the entire human race is chasing, you know, yeah. we're chasing that love and that acceptance and that, um, you know, um, that's like a really raw human experience that it's what all the love songs are written about and all the books and all the romantic movies and every day, yeah. everybody just wants that in their life. So um, I think if you can just inject some romance and inject that passion back in, like what was that feeling? Take yourself back to that feeling because we lose that over time. You do lose it. You, you forget, you become numbed, you become, you know, busy and all that. And I would say, go back to that feeling. Mm -hmm. And um, what was it about her? You know, what could you say to her to rekindle those feelings again in her? Yeah, because a lot of people daydream about that feeling and wish they had it, like he said, you know, this person, like, I wished I had that passion again, that we had before. Yeah. Well, you can do that if you're willing to work. Yeah. But if you don't want to talk to each other, and you don't want to figure it out, and you don't want to say nice things to each other. Yeah. Might be really hard to do, right? Yeah. I'd say go lift. That's another piece. Go lift. Yes. If it's a guy, go lift. It's a girl too, but yeah, definitely if it's a guy, go lift. And you can you can get stuff pumping as as told by artillery uh, <laughs> here to test <laughs> Take care of yourself too, right? Like I think that's a really important piece. If you take care of yourself people see that women, women like that. Women like a guy who's taking care of himself and looks decent and isn't just let himself go and is a mess. And 
you know, if you just want to come at it from a physical point of view, if you're a physical mess, you're probably a mental mess. Yeah. Like anybody who's got like a bunch of extra weight on them and they're eating crappy and they're not sleeping good and you know, they, they don't feel good probably. And so they're going to not, maybe not feel as good. And, and, um, that's, that comes out outwardly, yeah. I think. Yeah, for so sure. Taking care of yourself is, is really, really important. And I think back in the day, you know, I, I love, so my most favorite book, and I'll probably do a podcast on it is, um, the land of the spotted Eagle by chief standing bear, and if you haven't read that book, you, you really need to read that book, Jonathan. You would love that book. Um, oh, it's called he, uh, Land is a Spotted Eagle. So Land it's written it. by a Sioux native who, he was written in 1933. And he writes about his life. So he grew up, um, he, he, he lived the first half of his life in tribal culture. And then they were put on reservations. And then he was part of the Wild West, um, Wild Bill Roadshow. And so, he lived in both worlds, yeah. but he goes, the whole book is just about native life from childhood, relationships, spirituality, marriage, a boyhood, hunting warriors. Like it's a very good book. That's it's cool. my number one book on health. Okay. If you want to learn about health, read that book. Mm. And it's really sad because <laughs> these were really vital, healthy people and they lost their way, you know? they lost their way of life and it just, it breaks your heart to think it. But if you read it and in there, he talks about, um, men's roles and he talks about women and, um, no, he said, you know, there was never any mental disease. Uh, people were felt the men were raised to be strong and muscular and quick and fast. And, um, the women were, you know, the women did all the work. You picked where you wanted your teepee. You told your husband, okay, we're going to put our teepee here. This is where we want it. And then you put it up and then you decorate it and then you do everything. So women were doing a lot, but it's a great book. And I think about that, you know, this idea that you become attracted to what you attract. And so if you're taking care of yourself, you know, you're going to tend to want to attract somebody who's taking care of themselves. And um, by nature, our population has just become very unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Um, and we know food, we could talk about that, but um, the foods that we choose to eat and put into our body and the things we choose to think about all day long and the cho things we choose to watch and, um, and the people we choose to be around, um, that's going to have a huge impact on our health. So that would be my other thing. All right, let me ask you another one. Go ahead, yeah. um, how to make time husband and wife. Okay, so she's talking about hunting. So she obviously is a hunter. How to make time husband and wife to hunt with a one-year-old baby and how not to feel resentful. That's you. Um, that's you all day. I don't have kids. Um, I mean, um, I, I always talk to guys about just date your wife, but I think you might have some better context for that. Okay, I'll come back to that one because I want you to answer a question. How did you know? Mm, I don't know. Mm, how did you know? Man, um, because she looked good. <laughs> you are a true man. <laughs> man I went to, She's I, I, pretty hot. I'll give that to her, too. She's you, pretty hot. She's show. Yeah. She she's, is. She, she just came to the house, and she's she's sitting out here right now. So she, she oh. probably hit me right now. So, oh. But I, uh, no, man, she, uh, like I said, looks aside, um, she, 
was really good um, with my nieces. Uh, she was really smart and in, in a way that was challenging to me. Um, Cause I think that I'm, I think I'm pretty smart. So, so having, having that challenge, somebody to kind of disagree with um, in a constructive way was really important to me, but I don't know, like we had been together five years dating already. And so I just proposed to her then. Cause I thought that, you know, why would I not want to be with a lady that's, that's smart, that's attractive and, um, is good with good with kids. I think that makes for a great wife. You know, so that's 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 it. There was no uh, there was no shining light. There was no uh, voice. You know, still small voice or anything like that. It was just looks good. Good with kids. Smart. Done. Let's do it. Let's mm. Get it taken care of. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Do you feel like you were too young, or do you feel like? How do you feel uh, about your age, Mary? I don't think I was too young. I think I was too scattered, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I know guys that were my age that had their minds and career paths together ahead of time. Also think like when it comes to my career path, I think I've always known what I wanted to be into. I've always been into health. I was a personal trainer in college. Um, You know, I, I did that garden bed stuff. So I think what really less about like my age and more about, okay, get grounded in like what you're about and try to figure out how to monetize that. So I think that would have been a better, a better position to be in. Cause I wasn't at the time, I wasn't really sure about myself. There was a lot of, uh, I should say a lot of insecurity about my interests and a lot of insecurity about how I would be able to provide with those interests. And so more than young, more than youth, just having a good understanding of what you are and who you are. And I don't think that's limited to age. I think that there are a lot of people that um, spend a lot of time with themselves and in thought that were that young, but that's rare. I will say that it's rare to be 23 and grounded. So I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I tell my my daughters, you are not allowed to marry a man younger than thirty five. <laughs> he'll be emotionally like good by thirty five. It takes them good fifteen years. Like I just men are just slower than. I mean, women having girls. You'll learn this if you have girls. I don't have boys, but I see it at the schools. Like the girls just mature super fast. Like they're. They're like, you know, okay, we're going to get married and have babies. Like how young are girls talking like that? And boys are like, ah, they're running. Ah, get away from me. You know? And then somewhere in high school, they're like, turns on. And the girls are just, they're just more mature. Like, I think it's instinctual again, because of that, the, uh, the nature of, of, of possibly being able to have children is that you, you become, but it's funny to watch with girls. They're like on the hunt from like the age of five, you know, and the like, man. Yeah, ah. <laughs> but the boys seem so immature, like even like a 20 year old boy with a 20 year old girl. It's like, uh, so you can kind of see sometimes why older men get with younger women because younger women are like all the men their age. Sometimes they're like scattered, like you said, and they're not, sure. you know, hundred percent. But the other thing is, is, obviously she a woman of faith like you as well like was that something that was also really important to you 100 percent. and i think the reason that i didn't state it is because it's kind of it's kind of a given particularly like not a given but when it comes to like black culture and us being in the south like you know that's it's very rare that you see um 
black Christians not get married. Does that make sense? Like I would, it's very rare that you see like a black Christian go and date someone that's outside of his faith. That's pretty rare, especially in the South. I'm in the Bible belt too. So I took it as a given, but I probably should have said that. Yeah. Faith faith was, was critical too. I couldn't um, have been with someone that wasn't of my same faith. I think that that's politics. We're a little different. Like her and I see things politically a little different, Mm -hmm. which I think is healthy. and oh, I think I grew. Uh, that's my whole marriage. Yeah, yeah. It's healthy. Really you know what? Think. Here's another thing, and I think you brought that up. Difference is good. So is. if you don't have a difference, you don't have some challenge to the way you do think. Yes. Um, because if you go through life, and I, I see this right now more than any time I could ever remember. It's like, if you live in the sound chamber, which is what we're seeing, right? We're seeing it with censorship right now on social media. We're seeing it's like, they're telling everybody what they should think and what they should do. And this is going to be the social norm. And they're making you think that everybody should think exactly the same. Oh yeah. And if that's, that is not challenging people to, maybe change their mind. That is not challenging people to be more accepting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my little elf. Um, it doesn't challenge you to be, to, to think differently because if you are, if you love somebody who mm-hmm. thinks differently than you, you're probably going to be way more open-minded than yes. if you live in a marriage where you think the same and all your family thinks the same and nobody challenges you to ask, like, is this true? Mm-hmm. Is what I believe or what I've been taught or what I've seen in my life, is this true? And yeah. I, I think it's actually a sign of a really, really strong, lasting relationship if you can have differences and pr- show the world you can still love each other. You can, because you can, you really can. You can. I, I, like I said, I'm, I, it's, it's so funny, man. Cause I, I, I'm a little bit from a political standpoint, I, I'm a little bit more conservative um, and she's a little bit more liberal, but that's for me. Well, you are bunking the system there, right? I'm, like in your well, culture. I have, I've had, people, <laughs> I've had people, cause I've mentioned that on my podcast. Um, Again, I like that about you. You you state what you think, and I think that is really important. You know yeah. that yeah. I lost. Well, and that's the thing is what I'm the point I'm trying to get at is you can be somebody of conviction and also allow space for other people to have their convictions. Yeah, and I think that that's that's healthy. Like I think that that's how the world not only the world should work, but that's actually how the world generally works well when we're not warring with each other. So, yeah, man, um, things are things are good. She's actually caused me to think really critically about a lot of my positions. And it's been it's been really healthy for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Difference is key. I agree with you for sure. Mm -hmm. Awesome. How about never this person just made a comment. Never speak poorly of your spouse to your family. Hmm. 100 percent agree with that. 100 percent agree. with that. I disagree. Trash your spouse. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, family's right. always going to agree with you. Is always going to think that you can't do any wrong, especially if you're a like I'm a I'm a I'm a I wouldn't say my mom was bored, but my mom loves me a lot. So uh, she 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 and I have a good relationship. If I go to her and I'm like, hey, this is what's going on, you know, if I'm dealing with something and I haven't 
fully fleshed it out. And I go to her, she's going to be like, well, see, that's this and this and that. And I told you this and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, that's not it. And so, you know, for me, like if I don't trash my wife to anybody, um, but if I've got issue that I'm working through, um, I will go to close friend or, you know, I might go to my dad, depending though, probably not really even my dad, because I would consider him to be somebody that wouldn't be as objective, but somebody that's like a super third party. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, even some, like, one of the things that I do now is I, I'm kind of a crazy person, so I'll talk to myself, right? So I'll, I'll, I'll get on my iPod and I'll, I'll do talk therapy with myself, just kind of working oh, yeah. through a lot of these things. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, don't go to, don't go to family in general, but definitely if you're a man, don't go to mom. Please, please do not go to mom. It's just yeah, bad idea. mom is just gonna take your side every time, <laughs> even if you're a woman. Most of the time, you know, you go to mom. I've probably been to my mom a few times and. My mom is pretty good though. My mom is, um, my mom like barely knows how to use the computer. Okay. She's pretty <laughs> balanced and she does not have the neuroses that I have because yeah. she just comes from a different time. So she also is very, my mother can be very like objective. She can be like, well, okay, I see your feelings. Let's calm down. Let's try to actually really, is this really what's happening? Um, so she, she's good for that. But I, I would say that it's important. And if you do have a lot of problems in your marriage and you really need to talk badly about your spouse, you, you probably need to get counseling or something. Like you need to go to somebody that again, like could be objective and help you work through that. Um, and if you have to talk badly all the time, you need to start thinking about what, <laughs> why am I talking badly about my spouse all the time? Okay. Again, if you know, this may be a communication issue where let's say your wife is struggling and she doesn't have anyone to talk to and she's having these feelings because she's frustrated or sleep deprived or whatever, you know, this again is the communication and learning not to be defensive. So if she says to you, you really suck right now and you're not helping me and you're not like doing what you said you would do you know, taking a deep breath and maybe realizing that, you know, she needs someone to talk to. And sometimes women just having someone to talk to, they just feel better, right? Even if it's the person that's ticking them off, giving them, giving them a little bit of that space and not jumping straight to, um, you know, I'm going to defend myself and do that. But yeah, I would say that's really important. Um, a lot of communication stuff, everybody, you need to communicate. Um, always respect each other, no matter what, be proud of your spouse. Yeah. Um, compromise is really important. And we talked about that again, if you differ, which you will a million and a half times, probably more than you will agree. Um, learning to compromise. Um, (laughs) this guy said, have pillow talk every night. Nice. I like that. <laughs> what do you think? Sounds great in theory, but I don't know what happens. Uh, you know, some couples are really good at, they have this ritual at night where they, you know, they go to bed together and they do this, like we never sleep apart thing. And so maybe that works for some couples. I never had that marriage. My husband's gone a lot. 
and my kids are either in my bed or not in my bed. Sometimes we play musical beds. I end up in the bunk bed in the middle of the night. So like sometimes there's this, this isn't going on, but, um, and I'm really guilty of going to bed earlier than my husband. He's sort of a night owl. So I'll go to bed and be asleep before he even comes to bed. So maybe that's the pillow talk thing, um, going wrong, but, uh, yeah, I would agree. Never go to bed angry. I cannot agree with that more. And I have broken that rule so many times. Yeah. Now my husband can fall asleep. We, we can be in the middle of a fight, literally screaming at each other and he'll fall asleep. <laughs> I don't function that way. So I won't sleep. And then I will be up all night and then I will be really mad and then it'll be way worse. So he always says to me, do we have to fight? Do you have to start this fight right now? nine o'clock yeah yeah like pick your battles ladies literally and and the problem is sometimes right you've probably experienced this you work long days the only time you have together is one hour before bedtime from when your kids have gone to bed or when you get home from work it's like you have a small when you're when you don't have kids it's different so we have a lot more time together with kids you have the whole night together if you want you cook dinner or whatever a lot of times with kids, you don't get that. You literally will get like one hour together. And um, that might be when you talk and things come up and then everything blows up and then it's 10 o'clock at night. So that's probably really common in families that have children. Um, And so I would say sleep on it. Try not to start a fight before bed because it's not very healthy for you. And uh, you may not sleep and you need sleep. You need sleep more than you need to fight. Yeah. That's okay. my doctor. How about this? There's more than one way to load the dishwasher. Yeah, really? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to laugh at that because I swear to God, every time somebody loads the dishwasher in my house, I have to go reload it. Because it's like, you can only get five dishes in there. What are you doing? I mean, you know, I'll be like, why are there dishes in the sink and the dishwa- dishwasher's running and there's only like six things on the top rack? Oh, yeah. Uh, so there are some things you will never fix. Yeah. Like, you'll never fix it. Um, the other thing, guys, when you do the dishes, which is so awesome, when you do the dishes and you clean the house or you clean the kitchen, clean the crap out of the sink. That's another recommendation. <laughs> My husband will do the dishes. It's awesome. And he leaves the crap in the sink. Like, doesn't clean the bottom of the sink out. And I'm like, what is this? So that would be my other recommendation. Doc, <laughs> I got I, I to bounce. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Um, so, Jonathan, tell everybody where they can find you. Okay. Oh, well, first, let me say this. I got to bounce because I'm doing the marriage thing. My wife is home and she's ready to walk our two. Oh, yeah. And we have been on here for so long. I'm so no, sorry. Yeah. Great. I'm, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> okay. Here's some of the compliments, but oh. uh, no, but they can find me on anywhere where they get podcasts, Apple uh, podcast, Podbean, anything like that. Uh, podcast is called being husband podcast. We've been doing it for about two years. Um, and we're a faith-based podcast, but we talk about everything from lifting to um, being a man of conviction. So join us there. Um, we'll have Doc Hillary on. We always have Doc Hillary on for, for <laughs> So um, yeah. that's where you can find us. 
Oh, you can find us on Instagram too, at being husband P-O-D. Okay. I appreciate this. This is going to be a fun podcast to put out and hopefully everybody can get something out of it. And if you're not married, you'll get some clues on what to work on before you get married. Right. Um, always doing the work. So God bless you, Jonathan. You're awesome. We love you. And, um, yeah, have a good weekend. I appreciate it. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye. Have fun walking the dogs. Thanks. Another one in the books. Hey, I just wanted to get on here kind of at the end and just tell you guys the reason that I'm doing this episode uh, is because I'm taking some time uh, these next couple of weeks as we're entering into the new year to really plan out what it is that I'd, I'd like to do uh, with BH, uh, what it is I'd like to do for you guys. Because honestly, um, as we've grown, we, we've gotten uh, both a younger audience um, and to some degree an older audience. And uh, I just got convicted over the last couple of days here, and um, I want to do more. I want to do more for you guys. I want to get more information out to you guys. I want to have more conversations. I just I want to do more going into the new year because uh, the way things are looking, uh, 2021 is just going to be a year where you're really going to need to listen to things that are going to get your mind right as a man. Um, you're going to really need to get to some good information because everything that you're hearing on uh, TV, no matter what you're listening to or whatever, it's just it's fear, it's stress, it's it's nothing worthy of of good, um, nothing worthy of good attention going to it because it's not producing anything. And as we know, gentlemen, we are culture builders, right? We we see the problems that are going on in the world and we we don't sit there and complain about them and and necessarily critique them. We we do need to be aware of what's going on. So don't hear me say stick your head in the sand and just act like <laughs> bad things aren't happening because they are. But we aren't reactionary that way. We are proactive. We think long term and we build culture. And in order to build culture, we have to have a ground to do that on. And that starts with understanding first that we are made in the image of God. And that means that we create. It means that we look in the midst of the um, disorder. We bring about order. We bring about goodness. We bring about truth. We point reality back to the source of reality, which is God. And the only way that we can do that is if we are renewing our minds with with information that would put us in that space. So all that being said, um, I'm taking these couple of weeks to not record anything. Um, so you're going to get both this conversation and another one that I had on another podcast called Restoring Heroes. And I'll tell you more about that next week. But um, you're going to get those two episodes and I will be back fresh after that because I just uh, I want to take time to plan for 2021. So appreciate you guys listening today. If you found value in it, please like it, share it, let your buddy know, let your neighbor know, tell all the men, all the men that are married and that want to embrace this role of being a husband. Tell them all and and leave a rating or review on iTunes. I will really appreciate it. Helps, goes a long way, gets uh, the search more optimized. Um, honestly, uh, the, the reviews are, are good. I think we're at like 43, something like that. Um, so it, it 
let's get it to, I'm going to just ask. Let's get it to 40, uh, let's get it to 50, <laughs> okay? Let's get it to 50 reviews. I just need 50 reviews, and I'll stop plugging for it, okay? I promise I'll stop plugging for it. Let's get 50 reviews in, and uh, we'll, we'll call it even, all right? We'll call it even for now. Um, and if the Spirit has so moved you, if you, if you found value out of this and you want to uh, more directly contribute to what it is that we're doing to help us grow, because we're going to be getting into video next year, I've got the camera in place, it's going to be happening, um, Consider making a donation to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash binghusbandpodcast, patreon.com slash binghusbandpodcast. Two bucks a month, and you get to be a part of something that is going to help other men to really step into this role of being a husband. And honestly, what other mission would you want to be a part of in 2020, right? <laughs> then, then men becoming leaders, becoming uh, culture builders, so I encourage you to consider that today. Pray on it. If the Spirit hadn't moved you that way, don't do it. But if He has, do it. And with that, guys, I say, as I always do, take care and build on. <laughs>